0: your Bibles, if you would, turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 9 tonight. One verse tonight, let me ask you to stand, Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 10. It's a verse I've used dozens of times here from the pulpit. Um, this isn't a deeply biblical thought tonight, I'll admit that up front. It's a devotional thought. But there's truth to it. And uh, that's supported by a lot of different biblical texts. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's good for us to understand why we do the things that we do as a church and then as a family and as an individual Christian. In the book of Nehemiah, there was this great task, you know, rebuilding a wall that had been broken down. Nehemiah led in that great endeavor. They had some opposition. They had some difficulty. But the wall was completed in time. And when it was completed, you know, the Bible tells us there's a time for everything under the sun. And Nehemiah says this is a time for celebration. There's a time in all the things that we do just to celebrate, to be happy, to be joyful. And he goes on to say, let me just read the text, and I'll highlight the thought that I want. Verse 9, I'm sorry, verse 10 he says, And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them who nothing is prepared. And that's its own great sermon thought. He goes on to say, For this uh, this this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry. And then here's the principle, For the joy of the Lord is a strength, happiness is a help. When our hearts are joyful, we inoculate ourselves from a lot of the evil in the world. You know, the heart, uh, as Jesus described, can be like uh, a room where there's a vacuum. And if there's a vacuum there, things are going to fill it. But if you and I fill our hearts with joy, if we fill our heart with right and good things, then that really helps us keep, you know, evil or bad things at bay. Because the joy of the Lord is a strength. And happiness is a help. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night and Lord for this time together as a church family. Lord, I pray that we would be instructed by your word, and Lord, as a church family, um, gain continued understanding, Lord, and reason, motivation, Lord, for doing all the things that we do. And I ask for your help with this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated, of course. As Billy Daniel mentioned, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those fun nights for us as a church family. Um, as I walked in, there's a lot of activity in the parking lot. And if you were to go upstairs, it'd be hard to contain the energy that's up there. Uh, it's cute. And uh, you know, there's, there's, there's just a lot of fun up there. Uh, I know people are looking forward to that special time of fellowship. And I, I think, you know, it's my opinion that all that is, is a good thing. I think it's good and even a help for a church family. Uh, to obviously make fun and happy memories together. I, I don't think fun's at the top of the apex of all things that we should be about. I, I think seeking fun in and of itself could be a, a, four poor, uh, a four poor form of hedonism. But, but the Bible says that, you know, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The joy of the Lord is a strength. And, and that's a principle that I, I think is good for a Christian to think about. I think, I might say no rather, that fun activities associated with church and faith are help in the development of healthy, spiritual attitudes. Um, I I think that's important. And I think it's especially true uh, for children and teens. And I would admit, I think it's important for me. Data and studies tell us that post high school, uh, young people, you'll leave the church in, in really just unimaginable numbers. I think nine out of 10, uh, teenagers, when they graduate from high school, they also leave the church. They just don't finish with education. They're done with things spiritual. And, and they leave their faith and their church behind. And, and that's an incredible sadness to me. And I am incredibly grateful that we buck that trend you know, at every turn here at Eastland. I don't know that we have 9 out of 10 kids stay here post-graduation, but I don't think we're far off of that number. We, we, we as a church really do well. And I think there are a multitude, a lot of variables in that equation that allow for that. And um, I'm certainly not of the opinion that having trunk or treat, you know, is a major component of that. But I think it's a help. And I think, you know, these things in themselves are not sufficient to accomplish that. But I do think they're part of an equation that helps us get us as a family to show where we want to go. I do think that all the things that we do as a church... Uh, all you do as a family member, these are all links in a chain that can hold our hearts to a good place. I think that's important. The Bible tells us again that a merry heart, it's a medicine. It's, it's, a, it's, it's you know, we, we get a shot, it inoculates us from things that are out there, we put something in to keep things out. And I think sometimes these kind of events help do that. It's a, it's a strength to us, it adds a viability that we might not otherwise always have. There are valuable things gained in joy. Now, you, you can make that across a spectrum of a lot of applications. Happiness is good for your marriage. And you subtract happiness from your marriage, and what, and what do you have? Well, we have commitment. And I would say, good for you, and you need that. But happiness is going to be a help. You have a family, and you say, well, we're held together by you know, the blood we have. And I think it's a great thing. And I think it's important. I wouldn't diminish that and say that's not. But I also say this, if you can have a good time together, that's a help. As a church family, you know, our studies in Revelation are heady, they are doctrinal, they are deep. The study of the Minor Prophets have been very appointed. Um, You know, I've not been shy in being direct about our, our responsibility as Christians. I think all that is pinnacle. I think our theological positions are, you know, apex in terms of importance. But I think the thing we did last week on Fall Festival Day, I thought that was a help. I think those kind of memories for all of us um, do something. And I'll actually mention these things in a moment. I think those things are a help. Um, You know, family devotion, I think is important in different ways that you might do that. I think time together a church also is of immense value. I think the fellowship that Bill Daniel talked about is really what we're after on these kind of events. Um, there's an old truism, the family that prays together stays together. But I think this too, I think the family that plays together. And I, you know, you understand what I mean by that. I think they have a better chance along with the prayer time to stay together than either one of those alone. My observation experience and lots of studies suggest that we can avoid a lot of family fragmentation um, by actually spending time together. Now, that sounds like obvious, but it's not. A lot of families do not purposely, and church families do not intentionally specifically, set times to just enjoy each other as individuals. And it's important, and, and, and together time is something we should all endeavor to do. Why would family fun time you know, be so important? Because of what it accomplishes. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says this, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The most important thing we can do as parents is to instruct our children um, and introduce them to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ and we can we need to build them up in the tenets of the faith they need to understand doctrinal precepts they need under, to understand commitment to a local church family and all these kind of things it's it's unbelievably important that we spend time doing that uh, but in conjunction with that and you know maybe in some secondary way upon that foundation of Jesus Christ and you know these deep doctrinal t- times we spend together in revelation and the minor prophets On top of any foundation, there's walls, and there's rooms, and there's things that occupy on top of that foundation that might want to or invite people to stay on that foundation um, in a greater way. Does that make sense? I can live in a house, but I can also make it a home. I can make it a better place. I can make it a more friendly place. I can can make it a more inviting place. And, And I think that... That's in part one of the philosophy of our church is to do, is to create that kind of environment. Um, you know, one of the things that are accomplished in time together is simple communication and talking. We, we use the word fellowship, and that's a good Bible word. You know, we spend time fellowshipping. And <clears throat> so if you walk in before a service or you walk in, you, know, you say after a service, you're going to see people primarily doing this. They're talking. And that, you know, when people talk, it's amazing the bonds that are built, the strength that comes from that. Um, Having time that we set aside for people to do that. I was telling Terry the other day, we were coming together from, uh, we're coming together to work. Um, We're walking through the foyer and I said, you know, I'm not sure, but I think the best money Eastland Baptist Church has ever spent is on that foyer right outside there. You remember, for those of you who are older, you remember the old one? And it was kind of tight. And I've been in some churches um, that are nicer than East London, whatever, bigger, but very few of them have a better four than we do. And I think about all the activities that happen out there. And now, for you all who are here, think about how many relationships have you forged out there? I know Sunday school, we do that too, but the point is, we specifically you know in my mind when we built that was to have a place where we in part could do life together communication occurs there you know one of the chief reasons um, that people divorce and that children leave their homes and or families or institutions is because of the absence of meaningful conversation Amen. the absence of meaningful conversation they live together I was going to say they eat together, but most families don't do that anymore. They live on the same roof, but there's honestly, you think about it, very little meaningful conversation. There was a study that I read not too long ago that said that the average father spends less than three minutes a day in meaningful conversation with his children. Now, listen, the schools are getting more time than that. Their friends are giving them far more time than that. You know, the, 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 the proverbial father said, my son, give me thine heart and observe thy ways. Well, how, how do you have someone's heart where you talk to them? You communicate with them. You spend time in meaningful conversations. You, we, we as mom and dad, we come to church and we want this plethora of deep, meaningful principles on how to, you know, instruct our kids. We want to do all the religious things. And I think all oh, that's good and important. And then I want to say this, and then just talk to your kids. Just talk to them. Like set aside the family dinner table, make that a priority, you know, like actually eat dinner together and try to do that almost every night. And then, um, you know, go on walks together, go on hikes together, like do those kinds of activities that facilitate communication and conversation, because you can do a lot of other things, right? But if you don't have someone's heart, you're going to be an uphill battle. It's going to be a struggle. Um, There's a recent study that uh, suggested that playing together, and, and forgive the word playing, but you understand what I mean by that, playing together as a family opens up the lines of communication almost more than any other variable that this particular university uh, could find in anything else. Like they said all this, this host of variables that, you know, that fought against family fragmentation, and then added to the glue that held families together. And what they discovered was that meaningful communication was one of the best glues of all. That people who talked. Um, I have, in my opinion, a really good relationship with Terry. Um, I don't know if it's different or unique. I like her. And, um, and you know what we do a lot of? We actually talk. We started our marriage. Um, we were two human beings, you know, and uh, she has a lot of issues she's working through. And, and so, you know, we, we, we're working on that. But, um, <laughs> but we spent every almost every day of the first, I don't know, maybe five, ten years of our marriage, going on an, uh, an hour-long walk every day together. That's kind of one of the foundations, you know, in Christ that our marriage was built upon, is, are those walks. We lived out in South Tulsa in a little apartment there, and we were close to, uh, I think it was Holland Hall, was a school. And back in those days, you could walk all through there, and we walked an hour every day there. We moved to Owasso, there's a park right behind us called Centennial Park, and uh, when we could escape, you know, all the kids at home, um, we would go on an hour long walk. It was almost an hour. You know, you, we talked about in that hour about life, about the Lord, about our hopes for the kids, about um, what it meant to lead a church. We talked about uh, my problems, sometimes her problems. Um, I don't know if you think that's intensely spiritual or not, but it was a really good exercise for us. And we still try to do that. We, did, we don't do it as often as we could. And then as, as we could, but as we grew older, um, we got a wagon and we took the kids. And then they were walking with us. And when we were young, we were too poor to do a lot of things. You know, Disney World, those things were an option for us. But we, could, we would go to Colorado, get a cabin, and what we did was is we, we walked. We walked up a mountain and we walked down a mountain. And then we walked on this trail and we walked on that trail. We'd go buy our our food at Safeway and we'd come back home and the activity on Monday was walking, the activity on Tuesday was walking and then I think on Friday we went to the parade. You guys, I mean, they're all nodding. You know, and we have incredible memories about that and I feel, for the most part, pretty close to most of my kids. We still have meaningful conversations. You get my point. Um, If you're not together, you can't do that. If you don't have activities together, then that's hard to do. Families that play together, communicate, and communication becomes a glue that holds things together. Playtime, time together serves as a catalyst for more effective communication. Playing a pickup game of basketball, a family board game, a family night, going fishing, doing something, may just do more to develop open channels of communication than almost anything else a parent can do. When the boys were young, we had a home gym. One of the most frustrating experiences of my life. Um, if you just think about Joshua for a moment, and you know Joshua, you'd understand that. So we're doing weights, and so we have a, a bench here, and so you know, the way it works is when you work out with someone, you do a set, and then they do a set. So it would be like this, I would do a set, and then Joshua would be gone, and he would be doing um, only things that Joshua could do. Like you find this torch thing and he'd find insects and you can put insects and you can put that together what he would do there. And it happened between every set. It was frustrating. Um, but my point is is we we did that together, and him and Josiah and I and then Jeremiah and the time together we we talked. And we're still doing it today. And we did the gym, and then we did the motorcycles, and we've done guns and we've just done different things over the years, the activities were secondary. What was primary is what the activities allowed us to do. And that was communicate. And so we come in here as a church family, like this time is really important to me. It's sacred, the preaching time. And obviously it's not as biblically driven tonight. It's very sacred to me. And I understand this though, but what happens before and after is pretty sacred to me too. Because if you don't do this stuff before and after, you might have a doctrinally right church, which is, which is so important and primary, but I don't know if you can always keep that church together. And I think about the unity that we have and the, the, you know, the fellowship that we enjoy and relationships we have here. And you need to understand that those things just don't happen in every place. There's some intentionality in that. On my part, and, and I hope on your part, it's important. Another thought is this, is playing together develops a sense of belonging. Another study found that families that spend recreational time together had a much greater sense of belonging to community, think church, and to their own family in terms of identity. A great thing happens when a family does things together, plays together. Now think about this, they begin to lighten up. And some of you could do that, lighten up. Barriers go down when you do fun things together. That that just makes common sense, doesn't doesn't it? Barriers go down. Memories are made. Jokes are shared. Serious moments of vulnerability and intimacy develop when you do those things together. It's really hard to be mad at someone when you're doing enjoyable things together. And it's like in, in my marriage counseling, one of the things I said to young couples all the time is, you don't have to do everything together, but find some life event or activity that you do together. Because it's gonna, you're gonna be amazed how simply just that proximity that engage, allows for conversation can um, cause you to lighten up, to open up, and to share so many things. Another study suggests that family fellowship brings, uh, again, a sense of belonging, and that sense of belonging then becomes a glue that holds things together. You know, in Christian families, in all families, children need rules, they need instruction, they need discipline, I think they need chores, they need a work ethic. All these things I think should be intentionally uh, developed into kids, parents should be so much more intentional than they are today. So many parents are passive, they're not intentionally building something, um, but they also need a mom and dad who can play. And I know that word doesn't fit all of our personalities here, like I get that you know, but you, you do understand what I, what I mean when I say that. You're doing something enjoyable and fun together. And that may be very different for you than it is for me, but I, I think every family needs that. And when they have that, then they're, they're going a long way to help themselves stay together in fighting family fragmentation. But Most the house divided cannot stand, but a house is together at a dinner table, at a, you know, an event, a church, just a church together is unbelievable, helpful. Family and fun times reduce tensions. The truth is, as human beings, we offend, and we would do it often. Um, we build up negative capital in our relationships, in our lives, and in the hearts of other people we're close to. I've often said, people are dangerous. And certainly, apology and forgiveness is a Christian ethic that we all should practice when that negative capital hurts other people. And those are important truths to uh, employ and apply. But again, it 's been found that when families and married couples engage in light-hearted playful activities that built up hostility tends to be resolved um, it's it just those, those things cannot really hardly occupy the same space it 's simply hard to be deeply angry at someone that you 're having an enjoyable time with, and if you never have those times then and you're not doing the apology and forget us part especially, then there may be far more negative capital than there has to be. Social and ethical development can come as a result of playtime, fellowship time. It's been discovered that families that regularly played board games together. Now think about this. and I, I don't like board games. And when I play them, I cheat. Um, so I'm really, this is... I'm getting to be very counter, this is what I'm I don't mean to contradict myself. For other people, this is true. It's not true for me, but it's true for other people. <laughs> Social and ethical values are developed by those who play board games together. <laughs> Social values, not ethical values. They have better attention skills. They have better communication skills. They develop a better vocabulary. These are all studies. They have a higher level of thinking and cognitive ability with board games. They become better, they have a better sense of sportsmanship. Okay? I mean, think about it. You win and you lose, unless you're me and you always win, because I cheat. Um, Me and Anna always have cards up our sleeves, so. in all these variables rated higher in families that did these things together. Than those who don't. Now, I'm not saying it's a cure all be all. I'm trying to help you have an understanding of a philosophy that's in my heart, in my mind, that I think is biblically based and also supported by a lot of secular studies as well. Why would that be important? You know, because as a church family, and you understand what I mean by this, there's going to be some times here that you're going to win and you're going to lose. There's going to be some times you get your way and sometimes you don't. There can be some times things are done your way and sometimes they're not done your way. There's some times when you have to show deference and restraint. And there's some times that you can celebrate. And um, there's some times you need to just be a part even though you lose or because you don't get your way. And a lot of people struggle. You think about, you know, I don't know what the average life expectancy of a church member and a church family is, but it's somewhere like 18 to 24 months. That's just so sad and pathetic. But we have four generations of people here. You can't have that unless you can play together and win and lose. And, you know, so these things I think are just important. And then I think activity, time, and playing together develops a healthy self-image and the right kind of self-esteem. Families that spend time together in fun activities report a higher level of feeling loved and feeling accepted. So we have new people in the church. And, uh, you know, we can, we, we could, someone could be here for maybe two or three months and, and their window of opportunity to, 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 to connect with other people here is obviously limited, right? Because we're structured. And so, you know, if they don't come real early, then they go to Sunday school class and then there's a few minutes between that and church and church starts. And most of that time involves listening more than talking. And, you know, so I encourage people come early, stay late, um, linger longer, you know, because it's good for you, it's good for us. But then, you, you know, you have, you have an activity and all of a sudden now you've created another hour of time where people can connect. And all of a sudden someone in, in a weekend can go from feeling like an outsider to an insider. They can suddenly connect and I can know, you know, I can know Kathy and Bill and John or whoever, I can know these people that I didn't know before because I actually spent 10 or 15 minutes with them. And that's a big part of, of holding a church family together is fellowship and connection. Um, th- there's no preacher you know, that's good enough. Th- this preaching alone is going to hold people together in a church family forever. Um, music program here at Eastland, I think, is exceptional. But we need more than that. A church family is held together by you all. Preaching needs to be good and right. It needs to be biblically based. For our purposes, music needs to be conservative and done well and, and Christ-honoring. But then you take those elements and you add love into it. You add grace. You add time together. You add, you add connections. I care about you. You care about me. I'll be there for you. You have a need. I'm going to take care of it. Or I just have time to talk to you. And, and now you begin to have something that can endure and can last, like a marriage or like a family, or a church. It's super important to feel loved, to feel accepted, and to feel a part of something. Spending fun time together communicates to children and to teens, especially, that they are important and valued. And uh, it's important. Brown University released a, a recent study that said adolescents who believe they matter to their families, and I just had to stop right there and. Just think, what teenager wouldn't feel like that they're important to their family? But it happens. Adolescents who believe that they matter to their families are less likely to rebel, to leave home early, or engage in destructive habits or vices. They simply feel genuinely loved by mom and dad and their brothers and sisters. Now I'm going to finish with this thought because I'm supposed to. If if that doesn't resonate with you, then you know, that's okay. But I think, I think this is true. Um, I want my children in great measure to have my values. If I didn't, I'd, I'd have different values. Does that make sense? I, I want them, if, if they can't be like me, who can they be like? Who are they supposed to be like if they're not supposed to be like me? Some people may say, well, I don't want that responsibility. Well, if you're not going to accept that responsibility, who is? I mean, what else do we want as parents than for our kids to be like us? We have to be really intentional and thoughtful about that. And if you don't want to accept that responsibility, then forgive me, you probably shouldn't have kids in the first place. Um, but I think that's what we want. As a church, I... We're trying to make disciples. I want them to be like Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. You with me on that? Okay. So, if you hear nothing else, then I want you to grab this thought. Families that engage in recreational activities together tend to produce children who will emulate their parents' values, ethics, and belief structures. Now think about that. I want to say that again. Families that engage in recreational fun time, happy times, good times, together, tend to produce children who will in time emulate their parents' values. They will embrace their parents' faith. They will retain their parents' belief structures. And in short, they will want to be more like mom and dad and if we don't want that what in the world do we want it's important that's not all justification for little kids in costumes and and people get them candy but there's a motivation behind it there is a rationale biblical and other and i just wanted to think about that this isn't about tonight this is more like take that home with you and do this. Think about it for this church family. The time we spend together out there and before and after, it's important. What we do doing here, super important. But don't cheat us, don't cheat yourself, and don't cheat your kids. Don't cheat your grandkids. I can say that now. And spending time with them. You want your grandkids? to be in Eastland or a church like it in 15 years, then enjoy them. Spend time with them. Build some happy times with them. Or maybe even give them a piece of candy tonight. I don't know. All right, let me ask you to stand tonight.